More to the game. Got another podcast for you guys. I got Taylor Jones here with me today. A member of the T71 Due to Lounge women's basketball team, which is like a rival of our women's basketball team. She's from Detroit, Michigan. So Taylor, I want you to tell me about your background. You coming up, how Detroit was. Because Kaylin Willis, friend of the channel, is from Detroit. So I know a little bit about Detroit, but not everything. So how was it for you growing up? Uh, I grew up the youngest of four. Uh, both my brothers played basketball and it was something that I pretty much decided that I wanted to partake in as well. Uh, I told you like in our first conversations that I used to play shirts and skins with the boys from the neighborhood. So it was like basically like something that I knew that I wanted to do like a long, long time ago. And it's something that carried with me until this day. Yeah. And for those that don't know, she was on the skins team. So yeah, <laughs> I was. <laughs> but don't do that. Young ladies out there. She was like five years old. She didn't know any better. So no, don't do that. I do it. I do it. Yeah. So um, Detroit is known for a lot of things. What do you think Detroit is most known for? It's originality. I feel like we originate a lot of things. You know, you have things such as the Buffs, uh, the same Detroit versus everybody. There was no other city or state saying it was them versus everybody. It's always been Detroit versus everybody. And I feel like we just have our own, like, lingo, style. And that's one thing that I absolutely love about us because we just, we're different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kaylin, like I told you, she's mm -hmm. very confident. And Definitely. It's just, that's just a Detroit thing. Like, yeah. But do you think that Detroit also, you know, copies a little bit of style from, you know, the West Coast? No. Um, no? No. <laughs> just, just a little bit? No, no hesitation. No, I think that other states and cities copy us. Like, I, I think, like, we, we set the, the tone for how it should be. And then, you know, we get the people that follow along. Okay, okay. <laughs> they catch you up. Yeah. You, you swear. Know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I need your top three hoopers okay. from okay. Detroit and your top three artists. All right. I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go with Jalen Rose. Oh, <laughs> there you go. No, 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 no. Because I was thinking about the Fab Five. Yeah. And Jalen Rose was different. So yeah. I'm going to go with Jalen Rose. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Rakia Jackson from Tennessee. She's pretty good. Um, I'll throw another Mel in there. I'll do somebody from this day and age. Uh, Keith Applin. Yeah, Keith so, Applin. So no K Felder. Uh, nah, K Felder was nice though too. Oh, yeah, yeah, K was, nah, <laughs> K was nah, a bucket. Nah, nah, K was a bucket. <laughs> but I was thinking about Jalen Rose. So yeah, so I, he I took his spot basically. Yeah, I, I mean, Jalen Rose I, taking your spot. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. but but K is nice too. So I mean, we could throw him in. We could throw him on the list too. But you said three, so I'm a okay. Yeah, okay. give or take. Okay, or take. now the artists, because this is where okay. the, I say the copying sway, like the nah. Detroit. You know, they got their style, but it seems like it's a version of West Coast style. I knew you would say that. But mm -hmm. yeah, your top three Detroit artists: Babyface, Ray, automatically number one. Gonna go with Sada. You know, you can't leave Sada out. Sada's nice. Mm. And then I'm gonna throw in two female rappers. We're gonna go with Cash Dow. Gotta show my female some love. And then new up and coming artist, my best friend, Kayla Wan. Uh, her Instagram is Kayla Wan Backup. So, okay, it'll yeah. be on the screen. Okay, no, okay, fair enough. That, yeah, that. shout out to her. All of that. Do you uh, have any like 
Well, did you ever want to be an artist or a musician? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that yeah. wasn't my calling. I knew basketball was always my yeah. calling, so I stuck to what I knew. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, Cash Doll, like, I feel mm-hmm. like she's probably, like, the only, you know, Detroit... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, say What do you think I'm about to say? <laughs> I don't know. What is it? I was thinking, like, you was going to say something about, like, her being, like, a city girl... You know, I even, no, we didn't even call that. Okay, 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 okay. Fair enough, fair enough. I was gonna say, do you feel like she has a big influence right now over like Detroit's, you know, young women? Uh, actually, yeah, I do because like she set in an example, showing them that it's possible to make it out. Like it's not a lot of people that make it out the city of Detroit. You know, you got talent there, but like the mindset is, all right, I'm talented, but you know, we kind of let those around us influence our actions and behaviors and that can land us to us staying there in the city. Whereas Cash Dow, you know, she understood what she wanted or the route she wanted to go on and, you know, she pursued her dreams. And now you see her on the big screen playing on a, I don't know if you're familiar with BMF, but you know, she's not, yeah, she's not limiting herself. And I love that. Cause it's, you know, showing us young women from Detroit that like the sky is the limit. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's dope. That's Absolutely. Dope. So, you leave Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, come out of high school, what offers yep. did you have? I had uh, UIC, Northern Illinois, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, did I, I say Southern Illinois, right? Oh, University of Detroit, Mercy, and then, of course, Oakland. And I honestly felt like I could have had more, but coming out of high school, there was like, or even throughout high school, uh, it was no guideline on like college choices like where I'm from there was nobody that I knew that had the opportunity to play at a division one school on a full ride scholarship so like I didn't really know the questions to ask I started AAU late like how late I started when I was in eighth grade and all my teammates they have been playing since they were like third fourth grade I didn't even start till 16 so really it can be later oh wow yeah Uh, um I actually remember trying out for a team when I was younger, but at the time, like, my parents were going through a divorce, and it kind of, like, my mom didn't know anything about AAU. Like, she knew I was good in basketball, but she didn't know, like, what it would take for me to, like, really take my game to the next level. Like, I didn't have trainers and things growing up that, like, other people had. So, like, I was a late bloomer, but all the work that I put in, I put in on my own, and, you know, it eventually played off, so. Yeah, so you decided to go to Oakland. Yeah. And why Oakland? Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to go to Oakland because, like, I wanted to be, like, a hometown hero, in a sense. And my junior year of high school, my grandma actually uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And we had made it really far in the state tournament. And she wasn't able to come to our games because of her chemo. And so, like, when it came time for me to make my college decision, I pretty much knew that I wanted to stay close to her because she's one of the most important people in my life. And I wanted her to be able to still see me perform like, cause that's something that she wasn't able to do, you know, throughout her treatment. And my grandma, like, if you know me, like, you know, my grandma, she's one of my biggest supporters in my life besides like my mom, of course. And it was important to her. So it was important to me. Yeah, and she beat it. Yeah. Yes. So shout out to her. Shout out to anyone that's going through that. Like, it's Absolutely. tough, man. So that's yeah. an amazing thing that she she was able to accomplish beating mm-hmm. that because anyone can give up. Yeah. Not everyone can fight and keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you go to Oakland mm-hmm. and you have a really good career. I looked it up and mm-hmm. you was all freshman team. Yeah. 
two six player of the year, mm. six one, six man, I don't know. Yeah, yeah six player one. of the year. Yeah. <laughs> and then your senior year, you led the team to score, a thousand point score, eighth yes. all time. Yeah. So, how was your Oakland experience? Uh, it was a journey. Uh, freshman year, I finished second to a senior, but I was coming off of the bench. I didn't even start for fifty percent of the season, like, and it was tough for me because. Growing up, I was always one of the best players. So, like, I don't want to say I didn't have to work for anything because that would be a lie. But I was never, like, challenged to the point where it was like, okay, you got to put your ego aside and you got to, like, you know, like, kind of, like, groom into the player who we want you to be. Not who you think you are, but the person that you're cap the player that you're capable of being. And so freshman year, it was kind of like, it was different for me. Cause like all my life I was like used to starting and stuff. And then boom, reality sets in. Like I knew I was good, but I knew I could be great. And it's like, all right, my coach had expectations for me. I had expectations for myself. And although I thought I was reaching those expectations, he thought, you know, I could, I could do more. And it was frustrating because him and I didn't always see eye to eye um, at the time. I didn't necessarily like it and like we kind of clashed heads but ultimately like without that storm I wouldn't be like the person or player who I am today and even my sophomore and junior year was the same thing you know I'm leading the team and scoring but I'm still coming off the bench so it kind of raised a lot of eyebrows and questions and concerns everybody was like okay well you're doing x y and z why are you not starting and it was frustrating because you know Listening to the outside noise, I'm like, all right, you know, I felt like I was kind of being like, like played a little bit because I'm like, all right, now, why am I not starting? Like, I'm putting in all this extra work and I'm not starting, but it's not about who starts, it's about who finished. And I was always, literally every year that I was in college, I received an award and nobody on my team that I had played with and the four years that I was there could say the same thing. So like, it was really a blessing in disguise. And like I said, like that was a hurdle that I had to overcome and I'm thankful for it because, you know, most people in my situation would have folded, you know, other players would have transferred. And like, that's one thing that I like, I don't want to like sound arrogant or anything, but like, that's one thing that I admire about myself is the fighting me because, you know, most people would have just thrown the towel with me. I kept pushing it because I'm like, you know, I know the player that I can be, and like I'm not gonna stop until like I reach that goal. So now we're to the point where you're deciding whether to go pro or not. When you first came out, were there like sacrifices or things that you were hesitant about before you actually made a decision to go pro? Not necessarily, because I felt like all throughout my life I've been making sacrifices when it came to the game of basketball. You know, uh, playing AAU, you gotta miss out on you know high school parties, you know things of that nature, and then of course college come sacrifice you know you're not necessarily able to go home on you know holidays and things like that so I didn't even hesitate like to think about becoming pro or not like that's something that I always wanted to do and like it's funny because now when I encounter like old classmates and their parents or something they always talk about like how they admire the fight in me. Like ever since I was younger, they said that, or I've been saying that I wanted to be a professional basketball player. And it's something that I stuck with until now. You know what I mean? Like most players or most people rather, when they're younger, they say they want to do this, that, and the fourth. But then when 
obstacles occur, they throw in the towel. But me, like, I kept striving, I kept pushing, and, like, that's one thing I absolutely love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't really, uh, well, you can't really tell someone's character until adversity hits. Facts. And you definitely see that all the time with athletes. Like, mm-hmm. When you go through something, you know, that's when you really see what you're made of. Yeah. And a lot of people can't make it through that to get to the other side. Yeah. That's why the numbers go down every level of who makes it. Yeah. Because it's a different form of adversity you're going to be facing. Because mm-hmm. if people don't know, like, overseas, it's, like, a lot different than playing in college. It is. And do it you is. think, like, for women specifically, like, mm-hmm. is there things that makes it even tougher? I do. I would say pay. Mm-hmm. Because, like, even in the WBA, like, women, we don't get paid much to do, like, what we do. Unless you have, like, a big-time name or you went to a big-time school. Like... In the game of basketball, on the women's side, it's very political. And I feel like when it comes to the WNBA, it's all about who you know. It's all about looks. It's all about how many followers you have and stuff. And, like, all of that plays a role. And I think that's the part that can get, like, most challenging because, you know, some people don't want to deal with that. And I can't say that I, I blame them. But, like, me, like, this is just something that I feel like, that was instilled in me like at a young age like everybody has a purpose in life and my purpose is to do what I love and that's playing basketball whether I'm on the court or I'm on the sideline yeah I, I swear when I was in college uh I swear that the the coaches some of the coaches they were bringing in girls for looks yeah like they, they weren't even playing it was in there for a year they look good cut them and then bring in the next one like yeah I, that's one thing like do you would do you prefer men or women coaches? Cause I feel like it's mm-hmm. different depending on like which one it is. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I know my sister. She played basketball in college, mm-hmm. and she had uh, in her at her school. She played at Tuskegee. She had a, a woman mm-hmm. a woman coach, mm-hmm. and she was able to be super hard on her, and mm-hmm. you know like whatever. And I feel like dude coaches they might not be as hard, but they also might not have always the best intentions. You know? mm-hmm. Well, I'll be. I'll be blunt. I the coaches that I play for that have been women, I haven't necessarily like cared for. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Except, like if we go back to middle school, like okay, like it's middle school, so yeah, it don't count. Okay. It don't count. But like I've only had two women coaches throughout my career, and it just yeah, yeah. And the, the, you know, the energy was too much, or like not even necessarily like with women, we're emotional, so yeah. we move off of emotions, and like female coaches can be very spiteful and petty. <laughs> like <laughs> with men, you know, like all right, he not gonna be. I mean, he might be petty, but yeah. like a woman is more likely to be petty than a yeah, man. You yeah, see what I'm saying? Sure, so it's sure. just I prefer men, cause like. Growing up, I told you, like, I was really surrounded by, like, boys. They're my brothers, their friends. Like, I was really a tomboy growing up, and I had majority, like, male friends. So, like, you know, that's kind of, you know. It was natural. Natural yeah. transition. Yeah, having definitely. Having male friends and brothers to yeah. having a, a male coach. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, when you came out of Oakland, you went mm-hmm. to Portugal, right? Yeah, correct. Okay, it was Portugal, Bosnia. Oh, you gotta tell me the rest. Portugal, Bosnia. Um, okay, so I this is not on the list, but I had signed to play in. Uh, where was that? Uh, El Salvador. Uh, it was it's in South America. Yes. Yeah. Sin- Yes, yes, yeah, 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 y
I signed to play there 2021. I took a year off because when I went to Bosnia, long story short, went through a depression, lost like 20-some pounds, ended up tearing my meniscus and part of my MCL. So I had to sit out and like, I had let go of my agent at the time. And like, I was like back to the drawing board. So I'm like, all right, what now? So I'm like trying to scramble to find an agent Long story short, I sat out an entire year and um, finally came across the agent. And, you know, I liked him. He was a good guy, good intentions. And, like, I knew that I needed to get back, um, get my foot back in the door because I didn't have, like, the best first year overseas. So what I decided to do is my family is from the Virgin Islands. Shout out to the Virgin Islands. Um, yeah, <laughs> shout out to them. I played for the national team. Uh, my first year with them was in 2017 when I was entering into my junior year in college. Uh, I played for the national team. And this was summer 20, 2021. Yep. And we had two tournaments. Um, the first tournament was held in El Salvador. And I like... That was my first tournament back after, like, my surgery and stuff, and I absolutely killed it. I think I averaged, like, 14 points. So I knew, like, all I needed was film. Like, with film, you can pretty much, like, get your foot back in the door. And I, like, it was drilled in my mind, like, all right, Taylor, you go here and kill, like, you're, you're good. Like, a door is going to open up. Like, God is going to make a way. So I ended up performing well there. And then we had uh, another tournament in July, that tournament, we played against like Team USA. Uh, Dawn Staley was the coach, so it was it was tougher competition. But once again, it still gave me the film that I needed. So um, after that tournament, I ended up getting looked at by a coach that was the head coach for El Salvador, and I played absolutely fantastic about uh, against them rather. And he ended up finding my email address and yeah like did you just find your yeah. email yeah it was so random to this day i don't know how he found my email yeah, he's a so, creep. He, right. <laughs> so he found my email he's like yeah like i coached against you i've been coaching against you since 2017 since you were in college and like i want you to come to el salvador to play for me so i'm like look at god like this is the opportunity i've been waiting for like everything is starting to go in the right direction Mind you, I really didn't sign for too much money, but I just knew, like, all right, Taylor, you go here for a couple months, you kill, like, God can open the opportunity for you to go somewhere bigger. So I get there. Yo, they tell me, like, I'm going to be staying in a place with, like, air conditioning. Mind you, I had been to El Salvador earlier in the year, and, like, where we were, it was... It was relatively nice, you know, like, yeah, you overseas, so you can't expect too much, but it, like, I was still expecting, like, what I saw the first time around. I get there, it was cockroaches in my room, <laughs> like, the, I promise you, like, the curtains was a bed sheet, like, it was no toilet sheet, no, I mean, no toilet seat, rather, no shower head, like, when I tell you, I was there for, not not in that place, but I was in El Salvador for a week, and then I had to pay to go back home. So at that point, I'm like, back, like, we, we back, back to square one. Yeah, like, I'm like, why does this keep happening to me? Like, God, I got to have something good for me. So I was there briefly. That's why I don't even put that on the list of countries that I played in. So after I leave there, um, I actually get hit up by my teammate from the Virgin Islands. She was playing in Ukraine and she's like, yo, um, oh, 
I'm sorry. I got an opportunity to play in Puerto Rico before I went to Ukraine. Went out there, and apparently I was supposed to be just a two-week player because they were looking for a big, and I wasn't a big. And it's kind of funny how God works because I played so well that they ended up keeping me the entire season. I finished third in the league in scoring. And mind you, like, I was playing against girls that played at, like, the Tennessees, the Notre Dames, the Texas. Like, yeah, girls that had played in the WNBA and, like, I knew the work that I put in, so like I was confident that I was ready. I just needed the opportunity, and when I when I got that opportunity to optimize on it, and then one thing led to another, and boom, I ended up in Ukraine. My teammate from the Virgin Islands, she was there at the time, and she's like, "Yo, like you should really consider coming here. It's girls from the WNBA that are here right now, and I think that it'll be a great look for you." So instantly, you know, when you hear the the, the country Ukraine, you gonna think about the war, but this is like before all the war and stuff started. So I ended up going there and of course a war started. Like you hear about you hear about a war. Like my coach uh in high school, he was my history teacher and he would always talk about Putin and how he wanted like total dictatorship and Russia and was like crazy and stuff. But I'm like at a time, I'm like, what, what relevance will this ever have in my life? And it spun the block real quick. Like, I, I remember messaging him, like, Coach, like, I remember us talking about this in American history and everything really came full circle. And it's just crazy because looking back, like, even though a war began, like, I'm blessed to have been there. You know what I mean? Because the war got national attention. Like, no matter where you were, you heard about the war in Ukraine. And uh, after I left Ukraine... I remember uh, Channel 7 News, it's a uh, channel uh, news station back in Detroit. I remember them contacting me and they wanted to do a story about like me having to leave there abruptly because of the war. And it was just crazy because I remember like people I hadn't talked to in years was just reaching out for me, telling me, you know, like they were glad I'm safe and that they were praying for me because honestly, like it was, it was tough. You like, was in a war zone, literally. Literally. Like, you were yeah. hearing like bombs and I planes or what? No, no, I wasn't hearing them, but like it was protests going on. Um, they were saying that they were stopping aircrafts. And like I really didn't think that I was gonna be able to to make it out. Like my anxiety was like on a thousand. And I remember just being scared, but I remember like praying nonstop because I'm like like, God, I know you're doing all of this for a reason. And I feel like my the reason of me being there, rather, was for me to be able to share it with others. Like, it's really like a blessing in disguise. So after I left Ukraine, ended up going to Finland, had an exceptional season there, averaged a double-double. I wasn't there for long because uh, I got there in February. Our season ended in April. Um, and then this this year began in Iceland had great numbers and now I'm here in Luxembourg. So since you've been in Luxembourg, there's been a controversy uh, that happened. No, we had to touch on that. Oh my so God. for the viewers, um, I played for Gringo Ball and our women's team played against Taylor's due to launch team in the cup semifinals. And you could just tell them what happened in the game and give your side to it because I'm not gonna put my feelings in anything. Fair enough. Okay, so let's just make it clear. Here in Luxembourg, the scorekeepers, no shade, are absolutely god-awful. They shave points, rebounds, assists, steals. <laughs> like, dog. It's not accurate, okay? I know 
for a fact, they have shaved off at least six points since I've been here. And that's not including the cup game. So just six regular season points. So they give me my six points on average in 23 a game. Right now it's like 22.9, but that's neither here nor there. So long story short, uh, we played against Greenville in the cup. And I remember at halftime, we were up by like, I'm going to just throw out a number, 17. Because it was like roughly 17, 18 points. And I remember mentioning to my teammate, like, yo, they just changed the score. They had changed it not once but twice. So I'm like, why do they keep changing the score? And then the first half, the scoreboard wasn't on. But when they turned the scoreboard on, I'm like, yo, like, I got more points than that. They had me at, like, 16, but I really had, like, 18 points. So them two points make a difference. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, we're up. I'm not going to panic. Long story short, Green Ball comes back, and we win the game by, what, one point, right? Yeah, we we win by one point, yeah. But let's say 30 minutes after, we start hearing cheers coming from the locker room, the other locker room, not ours. And I'm like, what are they cheering for? And they're like... They said that Greenville won the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> after we just celebrated, after we just took pictures, like, fan base was amazing. And they say that the other team won the game. I'm like, how is that possible? The game was over, like, in the regulation. They're like, no, like, the, the score was wrong. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not panicking because they shorted my points, too. Like, so, long story short, I really don't even like talking about it because it just upset me. They gave the win to them after regulation. They changed the results of the game and said that they won, the other team won, because the score table messed up on the score, not the first quarter, but the second quarter. And it's crazy because at halftime, my coach asked if that was the right score, and they said yes. But it wasn't until after the game where they tried to say that the score was wrong. Like, be for real. Like, you can't do that. Never in the history of basketball had they changed the score. Like, that was my whole thing. Like, be for real. You got to stand on that. Like, no, we won the game. Like, and then, like, our team and their team went to court about it. And it's been a, a ongoing battle for the past, like, it's been like a month now, right? Yeah, give or take like a month. So they advanced them, and now we're out. Yeah, and they'll be in the championship game this weekend. Yeah, so how's your day going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, for people that don't understand why um, that decision is, you know, bad one, like, that's an L that they were, you know, giving when they thought it was a win. Yeah. Two, uh, messes with your money. You know, there's bonuses for, <gasps> for you know, winning so these games, and, you know. And three, if you were playing a game and the score was different, you're going to play the game different. Exactly. So it's, exactly. Not, it's not fair for either team. But uh, I'm on Gringo Ball, so I'm just going to leave it like that. It's crazy. <laughs> technically, it's they crazy. did win, so I mean, that's what it is right now. Nah, not technically, <laughs> because technically, we won. Like, in the regulation, you cannot change the the results of a game. Like So technically... You were given the win, but it was an incorrect but decision. This is the thing. The score table was wrong. Like, they are good for shaving points here. Like, this is the first country I've been in where they are just not accurate. Like, you know, Instat, right? Yeah. 
Okay, we get Instat after every game. Instat is basically a system that breaks down uh, every game that is played, and it keeps tracks of, like, your rebounds, assists, all like that. Like synergy. Yeah, and it's accurate. And then I'll go on the box score, and I'll look at at my performance, and they'll literally short me, like, six rebounds. Yeah, sure. But Instat, of course, didn't uh, – I didn't get the game from Greenville at that game. And I think it's because it was a cup game. So, like, yeah, it doesn't cup count. Yeah, sometimes don't be on Yeah, it doesn't count against our record, which was frustrating because Instat is always accurate. So, yeah. yeah, but you know that's in the past. You know you gotta keep moving on. You gotta keep going. It's on, it's on. But it is money out of your pocket, which yeah. is very unfortunate. That's what I'm you know, but it'll come back yeah. at some point. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so uh, there, this is one question I definitely wanted to ask. Mm -hmm. Last uh, episode, I had on two of the women's from uh, that game. Uh, okay. the, they're Americans, uh, Asia and Sam. Yep. And they're both uh, lesbians, and mm -hmm. I asked them their perspective, you know, being a hooper and a lesbian at the same time. Yeah. So I want to ask you your perspective on not being a lesbian and a hooper, because mm -hmm. a lot of times people assume that girls that are good at basketball may be lesbians. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, funny enough, here at Greenball, like, I wouldn't feel like every pro we've had has been a lesbian except for one in the two years I've been here. It's like mm -hmm. six different people, whatever. Mm -hmm. So what is your perspective, you know, with that stigma? Uh, it's actually funny that you brought it up because I it's really frustrating to me because I feel like, like you said, it's like a stigma and a stereotype of female hoopers that just because you play basketball, you have to be gay. And like ever since I was younger, like I knew who I was. Like there was no question about it. Like even though that I was a tomboy, a tomboy growing up, like yeah, you I were wasn't, playing with your shirt off. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't girly, but. Like, as weird as this may sound, like, guys, boys always liked me because, like, I was I was always, like, the homie. Like, I didn't mind, like, playing basketball, playing flag football. Like, I always kept, like, the girly side to me. Like, I knew I was a female at the end of the day. And it's just, like, as I got older, I really started, I started coming into my, my feminine side, like, getting my nails done, like, my lashes and, so, and stuff done. And, like, I just hate that they put that on us because, like, I'm the complete opposite. Like, you're never going to see me without all of those things. But, like, I am very, very much so girly, and I take pride in how I look both on and off the court. Like, literally, majority of the European countries that I've been in, the first thing that they mention is my eyelashes. They're like, well, how do you play? Uh -huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you play with long eyelashes? And it's just like, I mean... Just because, like, you know. It doesn't affect you at all? No, it doesn't. Not at all. And it's, <laughs> like, not one bit. I just feel like, you know, it's a, a stigma that I, I feel like needs to stop. Because, you know, you see WNBA players and majority of them are lesbians, are gay. And which is completely fine. Like, I have lesbian and gay, you know, friends, love them to death. But there are other females such as, like, you know, Skylar Diggins that you know <laughs> yeah she maintains that feminine side and like i want to be one of those people like you know that younger girls can look up to because there's younger girls back home that literally like their parents tell me all the time like we love that you're able to show like our girls that it's okay to play basketball and still be a girly girl like you'll still see me in heels like you're still gonna see me in like 
my tight dresses. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, that's one thing I feel like is essential. So, yeah. Before we wrap this up, we got to talk about, you know, life after basketball. Mm -hmm. You yourself, you got uh, your brand. Yes. You can go ahead and shout that out right now. Taylor May Ashley. Go ahead. Right <laughs> go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. Follow me on the gram. <laughs> And you also told me that you have vending machines that yeah. you do as well. Mm -hmm. So tell me about both of those and mm -hmm. why did you get into it and how mm -hmm. is it going for you right now? Okay, so basically, TaylorMade Athlete, uh, I began that when I graduated from college. And it really kind of like rooted from my basketball camps. Uh, 2019, I held my first basketball camp uh, inside of Detroit. And it's something that I have been wanting to do. Um, there was nobody, no FEMA at least, that I know of that was holding camps. And I just wanted to get back to my community. I wanted to be an example for not only the youth, but especially for like younger girls. Because growing up, I didn't have that. Like We had the Detroit Shock, but they ended up going into bankruptcy. And like, yeah, they moved out of Detroit. So I wanted to like get back to my community and still, like I mentioned earlier, be like that hometown hero and stay you know, known to my community, and it actually paid off because just last summer I ended up receiving the Spirit of Detroit Award. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Look at yeah. that. <laughs> and so Taylor May athlete, it, it really is just like, you know, kids trying to pursue their dreams and like, you know, things of that nature. It's motivation captivated within, you know, your brand. Yeah, definitely, definitely showing them that sky is the limit. Like, even though you're going to face obstacles and like bumps along the road like you got to keep pushing and that's literally like my story and my story is still being written yeah because you're tailor made for it right tailor made exactly. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then you got the yeah. uh the vending machine yeah i know a lot of people talk about vending machines and want to get mm -hmm. into it not yeah. necessarily know how to get into it yeah how did you get into it and mm -hmm. you know how is it for you well i actually just uh moved locations but i only have one thus far um I wanted like another source of income while I was overseas because, you know, overseas, depending on your contract, majority of contracts, you only get paid once a month. And so I'm like, all right, well, let me think of a way that I can make another stream of income besides like my T-shirts and stuff, you know, easy money that I could really make in my sleep that I won't have to like stress about too much. And I'm like, all right, let me think of some things. And then a vending machine popped in my head. I'm like, okay gotten money saved up why not invest in a vending machine like that's easy money right there only thing you got to do is just have somebody you trust you know refill it up and i just kind of went with it and it's been it's been doing pretty well that's good yeah you gotta be multifaceted can't just be a hooper you gotta Definitely. have you know your business stuff taken care of take Definitely. care of your money yeah be you know versatile so yeah definitely respect you for that thank you is there anything you want to leave the viewers with uh any motivation you know you tailor made so i know you got <laughs> something for them uh actually just got a new tattoo and it says without the journey there's no destination and i just got that put on the back of my hoodies and i really think like that can just sum up my story thus far, like my journey has been one of the ups and downs, cries, failures, and much success as well. And without any journey, like you're not gonna reach your goal. So you gotta just keep pushing, stay mentally strong, and just remember that the sky's the limit. For sure. Yeah. Well, y'all, that's Taylor Jones. She's Taylor May, and it's more to the game. We appreciate you guys tuning in today. Like, subscribe, comment, follow all the links we put up, and we will catch you guys next time.